Well, good morning, church. I love it when the, uh, the, the slide comes up for, the, uh, for children's church because the kids are on the edge of their seats, and as soon as it hits, they just take off and bolt for the door. It's just really good to see them excited about going uh, to worship. I want to share with you that we had our very first Next Steps class this morning. It's a four-week class. We began today. We had a great Next Steps lunch last week. And we have uh, seven folks who are in our Next Steps class right now preparing for uh, biblical, effective, strong church membership. And that's a class that's open uh, every other month. We'll have our Next Steps lunch, our next one, uh, next month and invite folks in. So if you are uh, looking for your next step and where God wants you to serve in a church, to worship in a church, we have developed next steps for you to be able to find out if this is the next step for you. We answer all your questions. Uh, so just keep your ears open for our next lunch. Jump in there and meet some great people and learn uh, some wonderful things. Uh, this morning I have the wonderful privilege of preaching for you. And I've been here like maybe uh, five weeks or six weeks. So there's a lot of pressure. I'm sweating. Uh, it's, it's a nervous thing for the pastor to be gone and the new guys up here that quickly. But man, the Spirit of God is so at work here. The Spirit of God is so all over things. Um, in your life, I am confident that before you came, the Spirit of God uh, has spoken to you. I am so confident when the people of God gather together and Jesus is present that there is something here during this message for you. I just know when I open my heart, when I come into a time where God's word is being shared and explained, and God's word is being sung in song, that God is speaking, and as his child, I'm not here by accident. None of you are here by accident. Man, there are things that you need during this time today, and I'm excited for you that you're going to receive those things uh, today. Now, I know it's uh, dangerous to talk about food. Let me figure this clicker out. There we go. I know it's dangerous to talk about uh, food at this time of the day. We're clicking like right towards lunchtime, and I'm putting a slide up of the McDonald's family meal deal. This family meal deal over the years, when it was uh, available. It's not available anymore uh, because I know that because I partook of the family meal deal a good bit. The uh, family meal deal over time has saved a lot of parents headaches on what's for supper and uh, saved a lot of money over time when it comes to feeding our families. This was a lot of food for a good price. Now where this price is from, I can't tell you. I couldn't find an American uh, uh, slide for this because McDonald's wants you to know the family meal deal is not available anymore. In America. So Romania, Europe, wherever this was 1750, uh, you can still get that. But we've got things now like four for four at Wendy's. That's a great deal. A lot of food. Uh, don't know how good it is for you, but uh, food is an important part of what we do in our life. We have to eat. We eat three times a day or probably more. We're going to talk about food today and some of the miraculous things that Jesus Christ did when he connected with this idea of food in our life. It's easy for us, as busy as we are, to rush through mealtime. I mean, hadn't mealtime become less of a priority for us? How many of y'all ate a meal in the car this week? Just show of hands. Who had a meal in the car as you're riding? Yeah, we had lunch, dinner in the car, on the way to practice, on the way to work. Um, who stopped on the way home and grabbed supper and you're rushing home and you're going to eat real fast to go to something else? And mealtime has become a thing that we just kind of fit it in when we can. 
Um, but I want to look at today just how important mealtime is for us. In a recent uh, magazine article in The Atlantic, uh, these are some of the things the author shared. Students who eat regularly with their parents are significantly less likely to be truant at school. Children who eat dinner with their parents five or more days a week have less trouble with drugs and alcohol, eat healthier, show better academic performance, and report being closer with their parents. That's good stuff, isn't it? It goes on to say the dinner table can act as a unifier, a place of community. Sharing a meal is an excuse to catch up and talk, one of the few times where people are happy to put aside their work and take time out of their day. Here's my favorite part. It reduces people's perceptions of inequality, and diners tend to view those of different races, genders, and socioeconomic backgrounds as more equal than they would in other social scenarios. Connection, strength, health, acceptance, equality, common ground. To all these things, Jesus would say, you right. You got it. He's all about these things. Jesus knew way before this article was written, way before we were born, way before we're here today, that food can play an incredibly awesome part in our life as church members, in our lives as believers. Jesus is incredibly brilliant, incredibly brilliant, best preacher there ever was, best advice giver there ever was. We have the great privilege of of knowing Jesus, mimicking Jesus. Whatever he said, we say. Whatever he did, we go out and we do, and it changes lives. And Jesus had some run-ins with food, all right? He knows how attached we are to food. He knows how important food is to us. And so Jesus, of course, ate food. He was a human being. He had to eat. He got hungry. He got thirsty. And so Jesus did some sometimes miraculous things when it came to food. Matthew 14, 19 tells us, And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. This was the feeding of the 4,000 and probably more that day that came to hear him preach, and it was time to eat. And Jesus didn't say, y'all go home now, go find something to eat. That was a long journey for some of them. You know, he cared about them, and he said, Let's feed them. What do you guys have? And it was a very small amount of food, but what he did, he gave thanks and lifted that food up, and he fed all of those people there, and there was food left over. This is a miraculous encounter with Jesus feeding people. In Mark 14, through 23, it says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this. This is my body. Then he gave a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He goes on to say, and this is my blood that I give for you. And we know this to be the Lord's Supper, the very first instant of the Lord's Supper, in which they were having a meal together. So Jesus not only does the miraculous with food, but Jesus takes food, and he uses it as a teaching moment. He takes a very common, ordinary thing, and he does extraordinary things with it. And we're talking about the epic, radical, extreme impact of ordinary and how we as ordinary people do extraordinary things because God in us 
causes us and does these wonderful, great things through very plain, normal people, and that's me and that's you. And God likes to display himself and express himself in all of his glory through sinful failures and folks with flaws and problems. I love how God likes to show off like that. He likes to say, yeah, I can fix the world. I can fix the world through the death of my son. What? That's crazy. That's an incredible sacrifice. You're going to fix the world that way? Yeah. God loves to repair and loves to restore. And we're all these living examples of of restoration. We talk in next steps about regeneration, the fact that the body of Christ is a regenerate body, born again, saved, forgiven, Jesus first, transformed body. That's who we are. The first church met in ordinary circumstances, in their homes, in their living rooms, small spaces, crowded in there together, but doing extraordinary things, didn't they? We're talking about thousands being saved sometimes. It said daily. Uh, And and they're meeting in in these homes and they're having these ordinary meals and they're seeing ordinary lives transformed in this blueprint church. And y'all, we have this incredible privilege to have that blueprint church explained to us in the book of Acts. I said last week, these are our spiritual forefathers. These are the ones that laid out the path that went through it all so we could be here today. And what we have today is because of what they did and how faithful they were. And God is so good to us to give us such a description of what that is. And we're working through those verses in Acts chapter 2. We're still in verse 42. You know, one verse packs a lot of things in there. We've been unpacking this first aspect of being devoted to the apostles' teachings. Oh my goodness, the word of God is so perfect. It's preserved Since it was written, it was given through the prophets, it was given through Moses, it was given through the prophets of the Old Testament, passed on to the disciples and the apostles. And and, and what we have, y'all, the research has been done, what we have is it, it's legitimate, it's the real thing, right? It's what they wrote down back then, passed on to us. Do not doubt the word of God. It's been through the test, it's been done before, and it's legit, it's the real deal. Man, what you're reading is what God put out there. And he's the God that can preserve, right? Like, we can't mess that up. Attempts at messing with God's word have always failed. And what we have today is the apostles' teachings plus more. First element, man, they got together. The Bible was their source of truth and their only source of truth. And that needs to be ours, right? Absolutely. Why do we do what we do? It's got to be based on the scriptures. Secondly, they devoted themselves to fellowship. The fact that together we're stronger, together we're healthier, together we have this sense of commonality. Today, together, you've experienced hopefully a class, maybe a Sunday school class, a small group. Maybe this week you've been a part of a small group where you didn't really want to leave. You felt like there was more to get out of it because God was at work. And you're like, man, I'm getting so much from this. Today in church, I hope you get something and you go, man, it was so good to be there. That's fellowship, man. We get together together. And we carry each other's burdens. They did that. Today we're talking about the breaking of bread. This is the first time that you see the church talking about breaking bread together. It goes on to say in Acts chapter 4 that they continually met and broke bread together. And there's this idea of, was it Lord's Supper? Were they just eating together? Exactly what was that? And as I jumped in to, to look at the research in this, it's both. It was the Lord's Supper. And it was a complete, full meal that they had together. 
it was the Lord's Supper in that when Jesus set the example from those other passages, receiving, giving thanks, and feeding, the Lord's Supper was given to us and to them as a, a sign of remembrance and of giving thanks. So why is food so important to us? Why do we like food? Food is a daily need, right? I mean, when you're, when, when you're late on a meal, your stomach is telling you that. Before my stomach does, my brain does. I start getting kind of like a little survivalist, you know, like I'm starting to kind of hunt now. If I come to work and I forgot my lunch, guess what I'm doing? I'm checking the church refrigerator, right? I'm like, I'm like, was there pizza left over from last week? And there was from this past week. So I had pizza for lunch one day, right? It's just sitting there now. There's probably some there. And uh, I'm like, I'm on the hunt. Got to find some food. If I'd have found a bag of chips, I'm eating those chips. I'm hungry. My brain, right? It's on survival mode. Food's important to us. We know when we miss a meal. Have you fasted before? Ever fasted for awesome spiritual purposes and reasons? You put aside your, your desire to eat for God to do great things, and he always does. Fasting's so cool. And you say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so hungry now. It's life-giving, right? Food gives you life. It produces happy feelings called dopamine. <laughs> it's a brain thing, right? When you're eating your favorite food like chocolate or nachos or whatever it might be, and your brain's kind of putting some stuff out there of happy feelings, and you're going, man, I'm, I'm in a better mood now once I eat. I'm a lot better person. You know the term hangry? You know what hangry is? You're, you're, you're angry because you're hungry? Your kids get hangry, don't they? Yes, they do. Little monster. Remember, remember the honeycomb monster back in the days? Me won't honeycomb, me won't honeycomb. And when he got it, it was like a kid, right? It was like a normal kid. Like the Snickers commercial, you're not yourself when you're hungry. That's us. <laughs> we get happy feelings when we eat. Sharpens our minds. We're sharper when we take in food. Helps us to relax. And it can be very fun. Ever been to Taco Tuesday anywhere? All right? It's not just tacos. We had Taco Tuesday at GA camp, right, Debbie? We had Taco Tuesday. We were told when we got there, tomorrow's Taco Tuesday. I'm like, okay, what's the big deal? It's just, it's tacos. They're like, no, it's Taco Tuesday. And you get there and you're like, man, those tacos were good. It was a celebration. It was good food. All the works, man. Had a big old taco bar. Make you a taco. Everybody's having great times. So food is fun, right? Keep in mind, Jesus knows all these things. He knows it's life-giving. He knows it's fun. He knows it sharpens your mind. He knows it fills you up, makes you a better person. He knows these things, okay? Think about that. Jesus for us, in comparison and parallel to food, Jesus for us is a daily need, isn't he? He's a daily need for us. We need to walk with Christ every single day. The days that I miss a day or two or three I'm kind of like spiritually hangry. I'm not myself when I'm not with the Lord on a daily basis. And Jesus knew that we have to remember him daily. Why is it so easy to forget the sacrifice, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the essence of Lord's Supper? The first church did that. Later on in the book of Corinthians, they made this a stronger practice and added a lot of emphasis on doing this, maybe because people were, were not doing it like they were supposed to. We forget so easily. We're like Israel. Y'all, Israel would see 
they would see the, um, the plagues. They would see the exodus from, from Egypt. And the next day, they would say, I'm hungry. Where's God now? You know, and I'm like, really? They, they would see the Red Sea part, and they would walk on, on dry ground, and then it would close up, and it would kill the Egyptians. And they were just rescued. Their, their enemies were slaughtered. And then a couple of days later, they'd say, well, you brought us out here to die. Not enough food, not the kind that we like. Oh, my goodness, what are we? We're like Israel. It's so scary that God can bless me one minute, and a half an hour later, I can be cranky and complaining about something. Man, you know, it's like sin is just still in there, right? It's still just like reminding you, yeah, I'm still in here, man. You're still alive. You have to remember Christ daily and walk with him daily. I hate to be a person that forgets the blessings of God. We're warned time and time again, especially in the book of Psalms, over and over again, don't forget, stay in the word. And Christ knew we would need daily remembering, daily reminding of his sacrifice. It would get away from us sometimes. In fact, the book of Hebrews, when it says in chapter 10, don't forsake meeting together, that's because in the church at that time, they had all said, man, it's been like 20 years, you know, 30, 40 years. Jesus said he would come back, and he's not. Let's go home. That's where the church was in Hebrews. Let's just go home, y'all. He's not here like he said he was. Let's give it up. And said, no, don't forget he's coming back. Stay together. We've got to be careful because that was the church that forgot. We're the church. Let's not forget. We eat to remember Christ. How many of us pray and ask God to bless our food with our families? Do you do it when you're alone? You know, you're sitting in Wendy's and you're like, oh, what do I do? do you, how do you do it? Do you just kind of close your eyes and do it kind of covertly? Do you go ahead and... But we do that. We ask God to bless our food. Where'd that come from? Way back, first church. First church got together. When they ate, they remembered what Jesus did. They thanked God. Secondly, and thirdly, unity in Christ, participation in Christ. When you look at the scriptures of 1 Corinthians, I'm going to read these. The reason Paul said, guys, we've got to dive into Lord's Supper and kind of go back to what it meant. He shared things like this. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty four through 25. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and saying, This is the new covenant of my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink it, whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. Verse 26 says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this proclamation of the Lord's death, when we come and we approach food and we use that as a time to remember and to be thankful and to give it back to the Lord, he says, you're actually proclaiming the sacrifice and death of Jesus Christ. Okay, remember Jesus is, 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 is so brilliant. He knows how important food is, so he's starting to connect food with our biggest spiritual need, which is him. And he's saying, when you sit down to eat together, man, you are celebrating my death and my sacrifice. Anytime you do it, think of me when you eat is what he's saying to do. Chapter 10, verses 16 and 17 in 1 Corinthians, it says, 
Um, I need glasses, by the way. This is the second time I've preached. I can't see the small letters anymore. The lights are fine. These letters are getting smaller. Oh, my goodness. I need large print. Verses 16 and 17. Uh, Paul says this. Therefore, I'm going to start with 14. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ and is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body for we all partake of the one loaf. We who are many partake of Christ. Christ is the loaf and we partake of him. So he uses the word partake twice. We're, we're participating in Christ. What does it mean to participate in Christ? It means that we are also agents of the message, agents of the gospel. When I participate with Christ, I am sharing the message Christ came to share. The early church also participated in the persecution of the church. They were attacked from outside. They were attacked from inside the church all the time. When they were participating in Christ, when they took the Lord's Supper, they said, Christ, we're with you. We're with you in the good times. We're with you in the bad times because we're together. It's one loaf, and we're all taking from it. We also participate in eternal life with Christ. You might be here. You may be visiting, and you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. And you're observing Christians, all right? You're observing Christians, and you're going, okay, they're kind of happy. They're kind of joyful. You know, People are into the song, like there's a personal connection with the song. Where is that coming from? That originates from the fact that our eternity is secure, and we're not afraid of what may happen today because our eternity through Christ is secure. And so we don't know if we leave here and we may get in a car accident and we may die. And that's not to scare you. That's to say we can be happy and joyful and sing these praises, and that can happen to us 20 minutes from now. And that's okay because our eternity is secure because we're participating in Christ. Eternal life is a part of that participation. What a wonderful privilege to be agents of the message, endure persecution together, and have that eternal life. By the way, the unity aspect of this, when we come together, we lay our differences aside. We're from different backgrounds, educations, different cities, different family situations and environments. Lots of differences when you come together as a church. But we come together, what makes us united is that we have submitted our lives to Christ. Submission in all of our opinions, our thoughts, our ideas, what we think is right, what we think is wrong. We have submitted that to Christ Jesus. That's how we're unified. We're saying, Christ, your opinions are greater than mine. I will gladly change mine when you show me what I should be feeling and what I should be thinking, what I should be believing, Jesus. I will change my opinions. We submit those. We become gospel-focused, that unifies us. When we take the Lord's Supper, it unifies us. It says this is our purpose. We're gospel-focused. I'm not me-focused. I'm not growing my, my ministry-focused. I'm not looking good-focused. I'm not trying to be the best Christian in the room-focused. I'm gospel-focused. Because once I'm in, it's about everybody else that's not in. The minute you're saved... The minute you're saved, it's not about you anymore. It's about the 100,000 people behind you that are not in. And so you take your salvation card, your assurance of salvation, put it in your back pocket, 
you're good. It's about everybody else who doesn't know that, doesn't have that. And so it's about the gospel focus. So all of this stuff, we come to the combo, okay? The combo of this. The combo. The meal, Lord's Supper, was a supper, okay? It's a full meal. Uh, It was followed by a community meeting that took place every Sunday. The participants brought their own food. Afterwards, those present stayed together for the exchange of instruction, singing and praying, and for praising and thanking God. And so, original Lord's Supper was exactly that. They would eat before they would worship together. And the cool thing was, it didn't matter how much food you brought, if it was good or if it was not good, the poor, the rich would come together and they would all put the food on the table and they would dine together. Now that connects to fellowship from the week before over to Lord's Supper now and they would sit down as equals in Christ and they would share that meal together. And so that's the combo, okay? That's Jesus knowing us. That's Jesus saying, this is food. I've made you to where you need it and desire it and I've also made you to where you need and desire me. And when those two things come together, what you have is the breaking of bread in our churches. How many of us came together for a meal this morning? All of us, before we came here. We didn't do it, did we? This is when it kind of gets a little confusing, a little scary. You're like, wait a minute. We didn't have a big meal. We don't eat every single Sunday together. So how do I live this out now? We could easily have this meal together every week and go into a time of instruction. That's called Sunday school, small groups. Your small group can have a time where you join together and you share a meal, and then you have a time of instruction. I jumped ahead of myself, sorry. You get me off on small groups, okay? It kind of trumps what I wanted to say, all right? I apologize for that. All right, that's the next, that's the next point. Um, Let's go, let's go back to this, more meals together as a family. Maybe today you're thinking, man, from the sermon as a family, my family unit, we need to have more meals together. That's fantastic. I want you to get that because we do need to have more meals together as a family. And what we're saying to take home is this, at that meal time, when you stop and you thank God for the meal, what's the scriptures teach us? We're really remembering the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we're thanking God for our food, but the food stands for something. So even at your dinner table together, even if it's the McDonald's family meal deal at McDonald's, let's add that element of kids. What does this remind us of? Body and blood of Christ. Yep. We don't have to wait till the quarterly Lord's Supper that we observe as our church. We do it daily, right? Secondly, small groups can better relive this original. They really can. The idea of returning to the the small groups of acts and being in your home, in someone's home, and and there's the food that's brought together and you experience around a dinner table uh, of 12 or 15 people who love each other and who are discipling each other and they share that meal and then they go into a time of instruction as a a ministry of Holland Avenue Baptist Church, we want to see more and more of these small groups. We want to see them multiply and two become four and four become eight. Absolutely. I want to see all of us 
in a small group. Your Sunday school class can definitely act as that small group within the church building. All right. Location, not number one first importance. You can experience this type of fellowship within a Sunday school class in this building. You can also experience it in someone's home. And we'd like to see multiplication, more and more gospel in more and more places. That's part of why y'all hired me as small groups, Next Steps Pastor. So no surprise there. So I'm promoting, training, let's do this. Let's branch out. Overall, generally, this is kind of how I started with small groups years ago. Just using my dinner table to share Christ. Okay? Stepping away from small groups, stepping away from the, the, the family aspect, you're going to use your most valuable possession probably, which is your home, you know. Uh, you're going to use a very private time such as dinner or dinner table, and you're going to use that to share Christ. Man, in general, having friends over, we know what it's like to have friends over and have a meal together. That bonding, we plan for it, we, we get together, everybody comes and it's a great time. I'm saying, y'all, we need to step out from just friends and have our neighbors over, particularly our neighbors who don't know Christ. And we need to have those relationships begin and to grow to where we're just using our dinner table to share the gospel. All right? We can, man, we can do that. It's been wonderful to do that, to say my house will now be used to progress the gospel. is an awesome and wonderful thing to do. All this can be summed up in a phrase you'll hear me say a lot, which is, we are stronger, smaller. We're not stronger, bigger. We're stronger, smaller. And as we get smaller, guess what? The surprise is, is you're actually getting bigger. You actually are. Because you're growing in small ways, and those equal really big types of growth. So that's our take home. Personally, I want to do all these things. I really do. Um, I want to talk about Christ when I sit down to eat with my family and remember that. Um, Because, again, it's our biblical example to do that. It's why we, it's why the church ate together. They could have just eaten and been done with it. But no, they ate and said, what did Jesus do? Right? Referenced, referenced his death. I want to invite you today. You may not know Christ as I'm speaking of him. The ideas of being members of Christ and Christ being this loaf, that's probably, that may be wildly confusing to you. But deep down in your heart, you know there's a place and you know God should be there. You know you were created in some kind of image. I'm telling you, it was Yahweh, the God of the Bible. That's whose image you were created in. And this gospel that many of us have accepted and submitted our lives to is open and it's available to everyone, any nation, any person. The death of Christ was so powerful, the gospel is available to us. And we come to him and we submit and we become part of his work and part of that greater thing. And so I want to invite you to meditate on this thought, ponder this, question your very soul, question your spirit and say, do I know Christ? I need to know Christ. And we invite you to know Christ and allow us to help you do that. We are equipped, man, as believers to share that today. I'm going to be down front in just a few moments. And I want to invite you to pray 
to use this time to pray where you're at. As you look at your life and you say, what can I do better, Lord? Maybe you're saved. This whole message pertains to the saved. It's us, right? And you're thinking, well, what can I do better? Um, We've got lots of wonderful instructions on how to, to get stronger. I just invite you to pray and say, God, what is it you want me to do? Use this area. Just come down and pray at the altar if you'd like. I'll be here to pray with you if you would like. Pray where you're at. If God is moving in your heart and you want to let me know that, as, as a pastor, I will pray with you and help you walk that journey on understanding what God is saying to you. And um, we want to take care of you. We really do. We want you to experience the love and acceptance, forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come before you now. And God, we are so grateful that you're a God of grace and mercy and love. Lord, that today our sins do not define us. Our sins do not determine our destiny because Christ Jesus died. And that death changes our destiny. I pray today, Lord Jesus, that you would be generous in the handing out of salvation. Through your Holy Spirit, that you would convict us of our need for you. God, help us to remember and not forget you as we are so prone to do. That God, today and from here on, as we partake of food, we'll remember Christ. And God, from here out today, that this will be a day we mark down as a point of spiritual advancement and maturity for us as your people. God, during this time as we sing, may you do great things. Minister in only ways that you can as a church praise for one another. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.